to Freightonomics, uh, the podcast slash show, depending on how you view it <laughs> or listen to it, uh, where we discuss the freight market and the macroeconomic environment. Uh, we put those two things together uh, because they're very connected, Anthony Smith. They are. Uh, they are. And it's I like am. You and me, we're, we're friends, right? We're friends. I'm, I mean, while we're here, I mean, but while, when the cameras go off, like we don't talk to each other. We just walk our separate ways and and never interact. No, that's not true. <laughs> uh, we were just talking about a fun little tidbit about how our spending habits change over time uh, as you as you get older, and it has a huge influence on yeah. the economy. Uh, yeah. How people change their spending habits and behaviors, and especially as the economy is transitioning. <laughs> yeah, and I think when you get older. Uh, some of the things I've realized I enjoy now in my later years is paying more for convenience. And I think yep. when you start getting a little bit more income, you start paying a little bit more for convenience. In some cases, sometimes you're able to just kind of like, you know what, no, this is my budget. This will be my budget. This will stay my budget. But I think the American economy is very much similar to that when we're looking at things like convenience for next day delivery yep. or e-commerce trends or anything like that or drive-through, anything like that that's a convenience you want to maintain that balance for that convenience going forward. Yeah, you don't want to let go of the yeah. convenience. Once you've been able to kind of afford the convenience, it's not something you transition back into easily, yeah. at least willingly. Uh, and I think that's something that's a big question about the holiday season, this upcoming holiday season. We, uh, we're obviously in a downturn of the economy. I, I don't know if anybody's arguing. It may not be fully recognized or manifested yet, uh, which is probably the most concerning aspect of all these all these things. Uh, but it's we're still going through this cycle. Inflation obviously eroding a lot of people's incomes. We had Bank of America spending data come out earlier this week that suggested that consumers are simply not spending the same amount of money on durable goods that they were a year ago. Mm -hmm. I don't think this is something that is super surprising, right? Yeah, it's not too surprising at all. Yeah. And I think, so beginning of this year, we're talking about what's likely going to happen and our expectations for timings around when consumers are going to start to feel that pain. I think they are certainly feeling it now, especially with inflationary mm -hmm. pressures. Last Friday, we just got an update around the credit card report as yep. well for the monthly updates. And we saw that credit card spending is indeed going up when you look at credit card utilization on a revolving basis. And yes. Zach, you're seeing- They're carrying more debt. They're carrying more debt, acquiring yeah. more debt. And you're also seeing that the savings rate is still below the pandemic level, mm -hmm. uh, pre-pandemic level. And it's it's not shaping up to be uh, you know an incredible growth structure for the remainder of the year going into 2023. Yeah, and I think that's the theme of today. Uh, abruptly lagging. <laughs> we are, we, we, we look at some of these indicators, it takes a long time for them to really get flushed out, especially when you're transitioning from a period, uh, an economic cycle, if you will, that has been so robust. Right. We had so much money flooding the space, consumer demand growth, infrastructure growth, super high levels of growth. This is why uh, the Fed targets, you know, sub 4% growth rates, yeah. because you, you run the risk of inflating these bubbles in the market. There's bubbles everywhere right now that are starting to fall apart a little bit. Uh, you know, housing market, mm -hmm. not necessarily popping uh, or bursting uh, just yet, but it is showing signs of deterioration uh, all over the place. The freight market, of course, has 
been a leading indicator yeah. of all this. And for those of you that have been watching over the last month, month and a half, uh, I like to give a little market and two update uh, to kick things off because the freight market does continue to transition. Anthony, do you want to count me in? I'm going to count you in, Zach. Now, I, there's like this internal emoji that's going around with like me shaking my head really fast. And I, sometimes I try to replicate it. Mm -hmm. and I can't do it, uh, mm -hmm. but I, I, I was going to try to do it just now. That's why I mentioned. But anyway, <laughs> counting down in three, two, one, let's go. Let's open up with the NTI, the National Truckload Index, measures spot rates uh, on average based on our Trusted Rate Assessment Consortium. So we're looking at a pretty flat movement here, but a downward trend versus last week. We talked about the end of quarter, end of month. The green line is removing fuel entirely. The white line has fuel completely baked in. We do that because the green line shows us the market trends itself, uh, removing the fuel fluctuations. So. We saw a little bit of a bump at the end of September, end of quarter, end of month, also Hurricane Ian. Uh, we saw some spot rates increasing into the Florida market down there. So that is looking like it is coming down. We talked about it being very transitory and do not rely on it because the underlying demand side indicators are not there. Uh, and then let's move to the next chart here. Look at our tender rejection index, our O-TRI, if you will. Tender rejection rates, they did not budge during this end of month period. This is something they've been very very unresponsive towards the holiday periods, as well as some of these, uh, you know, near-term market disruptions such as the rail strike, as well as uh, Hurricane Ian. Didn't budge there, and they are right in line with that orange line there, which is 2019 levels, which we all remember is a very deflationary rate environment. Let's move to the next chart and talk about some of that demand side indicator, CLAV. Uh, looking at our contract load accepted volumes, these are the accepted load volumes in an index. And you look at the previous two years there, 2020 and 2021 in blue and green lines respectively, uh, we are now transitioning much lower. That downward trend, Anthony Smith, is really the sign that I'm watching to. Uh, we see the seasonal deflation in volume and activity in early October, but the last two years it flatlined out. Uh, and that is the concerning part is that it looks like it's probably going to continue which is going to further erode the rates. Let's look at our last chart here real quick because contract versus spot rates. Uh, we see contracts still have a lot of downward pressure on them as they are still well above the spot. Impressive, Zach, once again. So diving into this, when we're looking at those seasonal trends, it's starting to look more closely aligned to 2019 in some aspects. Yeah, and I think the big takeaway for me is that's not a surprise. Yeah. You know, like we're still, I mean, if you looked at the CLAV there, it's still well above where it was in 2019. So mm -hmm. we're still seeing a lot of demand. The big question about that chart is how far will it go? I mean, you've, we've had growth in capacity, infrastructure growth like we just talked about over the last two years. Uh, these transportation providers have grown accustomed to a heightened level of demand, right. and they had to adjust to it. Like the market environment had to adjust. The question I have uh, moving forward is how deflationary does this get? Because there's not enough pie to go around anymore. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's a big part. And that, I mean, this kind of also goes into the driver situation because of course, when we also think about, okay, there's a driver shortage, there's a driver shortage. It's hard to argue about a driver shortage when you're starting to see where we have uh, our tender rejection index is looking at right now. And we're seeing that the capacity is really abundant at this moment. 
And we're also seeing that transportation prices are starting to come down, especially as you just had on there on that spot rate. Yeah, tender rejection rates now at multi-year lows. We're right in line with where we were in 2019, yeah. uh, just below 5%. We hadn't been below 5%. And if you if you had talked about this index being below 5% last year, you would have thought that the world had ended. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we were above 20% for two years. Two years we were above 20%. And one out of every five loads. Now we're looking at one out of every you know 20 loads getting rejected or less than that and that's you know still these contract rates are still elevated right. you saw the last chart yeah. contract rates still well above where they were two years ago also well above the spot market which is offering a significant discount if we want to pull that chart up real quick uh let's do the contract versus spot so the white line is the is the contract van contract rates initial report you can see there was there's been some stair steps here they started to it looked like things were going to change dramatically yeah. uh, in August. We took a huge stair step down. September, not so much. It was like a 2% drop in September for contract rates. A lot of questions around how sticky are these contract rates going to be. But looking at the spot market and that green line, removing fuel to an extent, uh, there is so much downward pressure. Like yeah. I don't think these contracts cannot sustain at this level above spot market, when somebody can simply go out and say, hey, I'm going to go get this. I think service is going to be a big selling factor here. If your contract uh, provider, if you're a shipper out there, is giving you good service, I think you've grown accustomed to bad service. Right. So just not having to go through the you know, managerial process of trying to source carriers right, uh, right now is probably going to help keep contracts up a little bit, but you, you can't sustain that kind of spread. And that's that's where we always hear um, one of the big things I always you know hear from people that yeah, interview on Freightways Now or any kind of show like that. It's about relationships, and mm -hmm. I think this is kind of where it kind of ties back ties back into is like, hey, we got to build strong relationships yep. in good times and bad times. But really, money talks, and when you have spot rates that low, yeah. there's only so much a relationship can do for you. Yeah, and I, I want to tie this into inflation because this is the way that spot rates and trucking work with contract rates are a lot like what we're what we're dealing with with the Fed rate increases. Is the idea is that they are trying to erode demand to a point that. You have these, it's almost, I wouldn't say deflationary, <laughs> but you have this correction to where you're not seeing as much you know, demand out, outpacing supply to where you can't you know, sustain that price level. Right. We're seeing deflationary pressure in trucking and transportation costs right now. The spot market adjusted a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, in March, the spot rates fell out 30% almost overnight uh, with this like a six week period. Um, and it takes a long time for that to manifest on the long-term side. And that's, that's kind of the argument that's going on right now uh, with the Fed. And, yeah. and I, you know, it's, you're not going to see all of a sudden everybody stop buying stuff with a 75 basis point increase mm -hmm. in the rate increase. Yeah. <laughs> it is a, that is a near-term rate that the banks feel quickly, but the consumers don't feel that till months later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, consumers are going to feel that months later. And one of the big things about it is it's like, we look at consumer sentiment, and this was an index that I was really big on, say, 2019 going into 2020. I was all about, hey, how are the consumers feeling? It matters eventually. Mm -hmm. And then I, I kind of slowed down on it because I started looking at consumer conditions and really what consumers care about. Do they have a job? And how expensive is it to just to live? Because yeah. if gas is too high, you know, this, this economy sucks. Essentially is what the consumers are saying. And so 
Now we're seeing, of course, consumers being hit by, by inflation. And we're still seeing that a lot of people are thinking that, you know, we're still going to be on par for a soft landing potentially. But I think that idea is really starting to kind of get a little bit more and more dim. But one of the other big aspects that we have to think about is like, hey, this isn't a, sl a slowing economy right now with an unemployment rate at, you know, sub 4%. Yeah. Um, with still 10.1 million job openings right now. This goes down and layoffs go up, you know, which they will continue to trend upwards uh, and the jobs claims will continue to trend upwards overall. It's not going to be a pretty picture as we get into the new year. But we've seen this time and time again. There's certain indicators uh, that we look at, mm -hmm. especially on our end, high frequency, near term. You know, it's very responsive data. It doesn't yeah. necessarily mean that we're in a recession the day that it that it falls. Uh, you know, our outbound tender volume index dropped. Uh, you know, our IOTI that measures maritime dropped significantly. But it, they don't. The wind isn't taken out of the sails all at once. Right. You know, this is just significant signs that things have changed dramatically. And you have to you have to take those signs as for what they are, which are signs that things are changing, they are shifting, and you respond to those things because you now have a near-term signal. If you look at some of these longer reaching, slower data points, such as employment levels, mm -hmm. it takes a while. Think about what goes into an employment, uh, the idea that you are going to put a job out there. That takes months. <laughs> there's a significant lag there. There's a month, there's months long process. Anybody in human resources, <laughs> talk to us. How long does it take for you to say, I'm going to put out a job rec uh, into a space that somebody has said, hey, I need to hire another person. Yeah. That's not something that you do like overnight. And another big <laughs> aspect of it with those job openings, there's so many times where you have a job opening posted mm -hmm. and you're not really that motivated to fill that role. Right. So, there, there's been, you know, many companies that are guilty of this, of like, hey, we're hiring for this, this, and this, but not really so much. And so we're looking at 10.1 million job openings. I don't think a lot of these companies are really actually hiring, hiring no. for this. Even they can leave it out there. There's no consequence for you keeping a job rack out there and open. And in the meantime, the, you know, you're, you're busy with your day-to-day. -day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I, jobs are very slow, and it's one of the pivotal factors that, the Fed leans on to make these decisions. And I think that that's a bad move. Uh, yeah. In what I would think a normal environment, which we are not in, <laughs> uh, we're coming out of a very volatile period of time with rapidly changing uh, indicators. That's where you have to be more disciplined. Mm -hmm. in, my, in my point of view, you have to take it, it. The market's going to change on its own. Yeah. You don't, you're not controlling every lever in the in the economy. You have one lever you can pull uh, and it takes time to for it to manifest. All these other levers, you have to understand what they're telling you. And the jobs market is extremely slow. Doesn't tell you every, I mean, what did we do? 3.5% unemployment rate? What would you what would you say to that? <laughs> well, first I would say, hey, the participation rate is still below where it was. So you have this, you know, matching, you know, near record low unemployment rate, but fewer workers. Then I would also look at um, the uh, job openings number, and then I would also kind of put it all together and say it seems as though we have more people working fewer jobs. And so this almost seems like, hey, there are more people taking on part-time jobs, mm -hmm. multiple full-time jobs potentially, or even doing that quiet quitting thing or whatever it might be, <laughs> and do two full-time roles in, in a, you know, a 30-hour work week or something like that. But in order to keep up with the rate of inflation, because yeah. you have some people getting part-time jobs you know, hey, I need a little bit more because I can't keep up with my expenses. Yeah, and, and we're in a country that 
just came out of an economic boom. Mm -hmm. So people have money. Yeah. <laughs> like companies have money. And so it's going to take a while to get through that money to where you start realizing, hey, I don't have money anymore. Yeah. We're starting to see that show up. So I want to go into our news anomics because I think we have a good, uh, you know, we got peak season coming up. Uh, and we've got Brian Strait writing this article uh, that I think is very timely, uh, covering consumer sentiment, mm -hmm. something you specialize in. So this this is pretty eye-opening to me uh, because it it's a, it's a survey of more than 8,000 consumers and 800 merchants in eight countries found that holiday shopping will be muted this year with as much as $46 billion, uh, in total being cut from spending budgets. Now... My big takeaway here, and this was, I should say, the Holiday Shopping Trends Report um, conducted by Octane and Retail Economics for ShipStation uh, is where this comes from. And the big takeaway for me is not necessarily that we expect a muted holiday season. It's the discrepancy between the shipper and the consumer. Mm -hmm. Shippers are far more optimistic about consumer behavior, uh, whereas the consumers are saying, you know, effectively, like, we, we expect to pull back. 58% uh, of consumers, of U.S. consumers, expect to cut back on non-food spending this holiday season. Um, and that's not being re reflected in the shippers' responses to this. And I think a lot of shippers are, we talked about this, you know, a few times, putting on that brave face, especially when quarterly calls, mm -hmm. things like that, and saying, hey, we are, you know, the economy's slowing, but we're doing just fine. So yeah. I think there's a little bit of that mixed in there. And I think there's this other aspect from really large shippers where they're, they're positioning themselves potentially as like saying, hey, if I mark these down low enough, they will sell. Yeah. We will push units. And I think that's going to be a tactic for a lot of folks. But I think that tactic will probably start to hurt a lot of other businesses because now their margins are, are just completely, you know, trash and they're not pulling in the same type of revenue. They're kind of riding that uh, pandemic revenue wave that they yeah. had from the last couple of years. And I think a lot of manufacturers upstream pulling in a lot of capital good orders because mm -hmm. they have the cash on hand, want to avoid higher levels of interest rates and in, in, uh, if they're acquiring it on credit. Yeah, they're, they're slow to recognize what's happening. The consumers are front line. Yeah. The shippers are second line. <laughs> the manufacturers are even further back. Right. <laughs> you know, so there, there's, there's a wave of recognition of what's happening. Anybody on the front line, near term, understands what's happening in the moment. You get in that second, third tier of activity, you're lagging. You don't know because you're not in the day to day. It's like, uh, you know, if you're in a company, you're a front line broker. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to know what's happening quicker than your managers. Yeah. Uh, and that's simply because you're in it day to day and you feel it. Whereas the managers hear it in a weekly report, they're going to feel it pretty quick. And then it's going to go work its way up. And then that's when you get that long level or that long-term strategery, yeah. <laughs> if you will. Um, one of the sectors that was called out here, uh, the automotive sector, is actually not feeling as much of the initial direct hit as some of the retail sector mm -hmm. is. And, and Noe Mahoney writes this article, uh, Mexico replaces Canada as top U.S. trade partner last month. Uh, this is a fantastic article. It's very short, very concise, but it tells a lot of information. Uh, Mexico ranked as UN United States top trading partner in August, uh, accounting for $70.3 billion in cross-border commerce. Port Laredo's total trade with the world increased 29% year over year. This is a big deal, yeah. and everybody's going to scream, near shore, near shore, near shore, French shore, etc. Not so fast, my friends. <laughs> uh, Port Laredo's top three imports included motor vehicle parts, passenger vehicles, and heavy-duty trucks. Mm -hmm. 
all automotive focus. This is a catch up, but pent up demand. We talked about class eight orders for trucks last year or last uh, month, blowing the, the roof off all time high uh, in preliminary ACT reports. This is a catch up. Yeah. <laughs> this is not a, you know, everybody's been sitting on old equipment, old cars, old vehicles, and now they're like, oh, I don't want to spend any more on maintenance. I'm sick of the parts not being here. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's costing me more than ever to just maintain these things. They're going out and getting new stuff. So there's a little bit of a lag, even though it's coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's coming. And I mean, it, this is anecdotal, very much anecdotal, because I have an old 2006 mm -hmm. Audi TT, and it's not doing the best right now. And so I, I, I have to go take it into the shop. The shop actually stopped servicing them. It's mm -hmm. like, hey, it's taking too long to get parts over here. We no longer actually service these, this car anymore. Mm -hmm. So take it somewhere else. And this is like a car... A repair shop that specializes in Audis. Mm -hmm. And so this is going to be some of the pressure that some folks are like, you know what, I might as well just be better off buying a new car or buying a different used car. And like you said, there's been this catch-up being put into play because there was this lack of inventory. Now this inventory is starting to kind of start mm -hmm. to be fulfilled. And this is definitely going to be an area that's going to be impacted as we continue to see slower consumer demand and mm -hmm. increase in catch-up um, from the macro side or the industrial side. Yeah, and, and the industrial side's huge. Yeah. Uh, these automotive, like automotive parts, uh, OEMs, big equipment, that takes a long time mm -hmm. to manifest and go through cycles. The bigger, what you used to play football, defensive, defensive linemen, how, how quick were they in response to the uh, smaller corners? Yeah, no, no, no. No, 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 no. I, I, I could chase them down in a straight line, but you start talking <laughs> about side-to-side -side movement, that's a whole other adjustment. It's a great point. Side-to-side -side movement, flexibility. You can adjust your course smaller. These big entities take a long time to mm -hmm. go through their processes. We were talking about FedEx this morning. Uh, dealing with their issues. Uh, they're a huge company. Huge companies take a long time to pivot, yeah. whereas these smaller, flexible entities, they can transition pretty quick. Um, you know, also in the news, uh, and this, again, it's kind of like further bad news. I, I hate to say it, but uh, uh, Morgan Stanley says jaw-dropping inventory levels a key risk to retailers. These companies, we just talked about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Rachel Premack writes this piece, fantastic writer. Please read her stuff. It is phenomenal. Um, they were trying to pivot, but they can't do it quickly. Mm -hmm. So what they have to do is move large. They're so big, an order to them isn't like you and I going out to the store and getting a piece of you know bread or something like that. They have to buy everything in large pieces. Okay. <laughs> so these inventory levels that we're dealing with right now, they're huge, uh, and it's high cost, and now it's inflated. The next uh, article here, uh, warehouse rents near cargo airport skyrocket, report says. Yeah. Um, huge pieces, huge movements from these large entities moving through the, the uh, economic situation here in the United States are creating these huge pockets, and it's, it's going to take time for them to, I, I guess, fully manifest right. macroeconomically, correct? Yeah, and I mean, this is going to be one of those areas, of course, uh, we got to get Dr. Zach Rogers on we here. We got to get him out here. Um, back That's again for this, for this next uh, episode <laughs> here. Be and I think he's going to be able to fit into our Thursday schedules before because it was school and he had a job and stuff like that. But um, one of the big areas that we saw is that uh, inventory levels are continuing to go up. We're still seeing increasing costs for warehouse prices and capacity is still low. And so 
this is going to be one of those areas where even, you know, in the LMI report is showing that there is an expectation that this is going to likely persist as we continue to move forward. Yeah, one of the call-outs in Rachel's article here, 19% discrepancy between inventory and sales growth. So they got a bunch of stuff that they can't sell. Yeah. Uh, they're looking to discount a lot of things. It's going to be a headwind for discount retailers like TJ Maxx, Marshalls. They, they, they call out a few of those in here. Um, and she calls that automotive mm-hmm. as also getting a little bit of that. They're, they're kind of an outlier right now. And the way they have inven- they're getting inventory in now that's still kind of on par with demand. Yeah. Um, and it's keeping inflation higher for that sector, which, right. again, huge part. And is this true? 80% of core inflation uh, re- related to automotive? Like overall inflation in the U.S.? It said 80% of core goods inflation. I got to do a little bit more research about that. I was like, that's scary. Because, yeah. again, lagging automotive industry, getting overly represented in our goods economy, uh, which, again, they're a big part of it. Um, you know, another big takeaway from this, uh, the other warehouse, warehouse article, there's no space. Yeah. <laughs> There is no space for any of the, these goods. Uh, you know, I think Inland Empire has a vacancy rate, according to uh, the Cushman and Wakefield, of less than 1%. Mm. Less than 1%. Uh, if we want to pull up that chart real quick, that graphic, to show just how bad it is uh, overall, there's no warehouse space. It's inflating the cost of goods because you have to spend more uh, in some of these key markets. Even in some of the smaller markets, we're seeing... Cost per square foot is skyrocketing right now. And Zach, <laughs> that takes us to the tail end of this show. And it's not going to be the end of Freight Waves TV because we have tons more content coming on today. So if you're not watching, if you're watching on LinkedIn, thank you so much. We appreciate it. But head over to tv.freightwaves.com where you can get a full rundown of our around the clock TV coverage and shows and all your favorite episodes. You can watch all the other older episodes of economics if you like. I mean, that's what you should do with your time uh, and energy. Uh, certainly, uh, maybe start thinking about saving money, but the savings account rate, they're not going up either. No, they're not going up either. And, you know uh, why? Because it takes a long time for those deposits that we had during the pandemic to ease out. Yeah. Lagging. There we go. Look, Anthony agrees. <laughs> Anthony agrees. <laughs>